Welcome to the Limitless Potential Podcast, where together we will dive into the personal, business, and career-rich tips, techniques, stories, and experiences of some incredibly successful and inspirational people, each with their own perspectives and journeys, and each with golden nuggets of wisdom which might just change your life. I'm Tracy Stone, and I'm a master trainer in a number of career supercharging techniques, a transformational coach, international best-selling author, inspirational speaker, and a woman discovering and evolving my very own limitless potential day by day. Welcome back to the Limitless Potential podcast. I'm delighted to welcome Charlene Ray, who joins us today from beautiful Whidbey Island, Washington, USA. Charlene is a licensed independent clinical social worker practicing as a therapist, mentor and workshop facilitator for 37 years. She also works for Forefront Suicide Prevention as a master training specialist. Charlene has studied mindful self-compassion, nature-based therapies, rites of passage, suicide prevention, grief and loss therapy, poetry therapy, therapeutic storytelling, and guided imagery. Wow. She blends all of the traditions and techniques with her intuitive work to create an individualized and very powerful experience for each client and program she facilitates. Charlene teaches mindfulness in schools and facilitates the Mindful Self-Compassion eight-week course for adults. She has also led programs for school districts on various mental health topics and is a frequent speaker at Snow Isle Library Issues That Matter events. She's an international best-selling author of four stories in compilation books published by Ignite. Charlene presented a 2020 TEDx talk on seeing grief in a new light. And she's here with us today to talk about her journey and how she taps into her own limitless potential. Welcome, Charlene, and thanks for joining us. Thank you, Tracy. I'm so thrilled to be here with you. Always, always a pleasure. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, I am particularly excited to have you here with me today because we also have a shared journey together that we have published in the same books together. So both with the Ignite organization and also you have kindly contributed your very personal experience with grief in the book that I wrote, which is Love Remains, A Guide Through Grief. So we have a a wonderful shared journey as well. So thank you again for being here. Mm, You're very welcome. (laughs) So let's get stuck in because there is so much juicy stuff in here to talk about. You have an incredible Mm -hmm. past, an incredible present and amazing skills that you use in the work that you do. And I know that people are dying to hear about that. So 
Charlene, let's start maybe back at the beginning. Tell me a little bit, if you will, about your childhood. What was it like for you growing up? What is the young Charlene and how did that grow her into the amazing woman today? When you say that, I think of the very young me, the one that um, would build um, forts, blanket forts, and with books and deep imagination and spend hours and hours in just inspired by both the books that I was reading and, and so the written word and also being making these forts out in nature, being inspired by being in my backyard in nature. I feel so honored and privileged to have had those times. And it was a really good foundation that led to what I was then able to draw upon later when I needed it, some things that were really important. Because I feel like my limited potential is steeped in grief, which sounds funny to me when I when I say it in a way, but grief became so much of my journey when my father died when I was 13. And the place that I turned to for solace and healing, the places were books and nature and my deep imagination. And it really led me through, um, got me through high school and into college where I decided that I wanted to help other people who were on this path. Because at the time that my father died, um, there wasn't a lot of talking about grief and there weren't a lot of tools and resources like there are now. So I really wanted to be a part of that solution for other people who were experiencing it. I think that you're so right that there weren't a lot of tools. There weren't, there wasn't a lot of help that people could get. So how have you tapped into that in just in your own personal journey? In my, in my personal journey, I think that um, what I realized when I was very young and my father's death happened that I, there was, when there was no one to talk to about it because everyone was um, either in grief in my family or people just didn't know what to say or what to do, which is still very hard for people to know what to say or do when someone is in deep grief. But I turned, my personal journey was really to turn to nature and to spend time outdoors, to spend time really thinking about the bigness of nature and how there was, I was going to get through it. And I remember hearing a voice when I was spending time outdoors that said to me, you can do hard things. And a lot of people use that. I've heard that phrase quite a bit, you know, that people say you can Mm. do hard things. And it was such a lifesaver for me because in the moment I didn't believe I could do hard things. So I learned in that moment too the power of our thoughts and the power of mantras, you know, words that we could say, because I began to say to myself, I can do hard things. This is the hardest thing. And I can I can get through it. That was one thing that really helped me. And it's also when I discovered poetry, both writing poems and reading other poets' work as uh, another lifesaver for that time. I've brought all these things, of course, with me on in my tool bag through the years to share with others. And my and so my clients can benefit from the things that I learned and the things that I've knowledge I've gained along the way. 
I think that's beautiful. And I really agree with you. I can resonate with what you're talking about, about the words. I think most of us dramatically underestimate the power that our words have on not just our feelings, but our belief systems and our experience of life. So absolutely. how have you used the power of those words? You've talked so beautifully there about using the, the poetry and learning those special phrases and mantras that give you the strength. You can do hard things. I think that's just so simple, but beautiful. Because often when grief hits us, we feel broken and we feel, I can't do this. Yes, that's so true. And I think, and it's also, I think it's also okay to have the feelings. I really want to make sure everyone realizes that that feeling of I can't do this is natural, right? Mm -hmm. It's a natural part of grief. And and somewhere along the way, and I think this is why finding a guide, whether it's a book or a person or a support group, um, is so helpful in grief. You know, we're not really meant to grieve alone. So if you find um, some type of a guide, that's where you can sometimes get the other words that you can hang on to, even if you don't believe them at first, you know, like I can do hard things or even acknowledging your feelings in a self-compassionate way. Yeah, absolutely. And I think so many people don't even know that kind of help and support is out there and is available to them. So Charlene, you've talked before about being a grief wisdom guide. Can you explain for us what that means? Yes. Well, it comes from my my um, business name is Soul Wisdom Guidance. Guidance. And it's really, um, and so grief wisdom, being a grief wisdom guide is a part of that. But, you know, I work with other other things besides grief. So it's all connected to being in touch with your soul and the wisdom that you already have within you to travel the territory of grief or whatever the challenges that you're facing so my my job as a guide is to walk alongside the person and as a companion and to help them find their own wisdom and bring it forward. What would you say to people when they say wisdom? I don't have wisdom. I don't understand these things. I'm not a wise person. When people doubt themselves like that, what would you say to them? Well, that happens frequently, Tracy. So I get I get lots of practice with that one because people often don't see it at first. And so that's what, what I say, you know, is that uh, my belief is that we all have wisdom within us. Mm -hmm. We all already have what we need to know, but we may just not believe it yet, know how to access it. So I really invite people to trust me on the journey that we will find it together. And, and often I begin by asking them about situations or things that they've done where they've experienced a lot of flow, you know, that kind of experience where you're doing something and time is going by and you don't even realize it, um, but you're just so into what you're doing. And, or when 
you have a moment where you just know something to be true. So I try to help them look for examples because that's wisdom. Both of those situations are accessing that wise self, that wisdom that lives within you. And sometimes those examples are really helpful to people because then they can think, oh, yes, I, I, that's wisdom. I just didn't even know that that's what it was. Mm. And so we begin to find, start with those examples. And then I do a lot of reflecting for people of when they are accessing that wise place within them so that they can see it. You know, sometimes it's, that helps to just validate. There it is. That that came from you. That's within you. And I think one of my gifts that I've um, had since childhood is to be able to see the potential within a person that I'm sitting with. So when they can't see it, you know, I'm looking right at that potential. And I feel like that's, that is my work as a guide is to help bring that forward. Oh, that's so important. And it's at that low point in people's lives that they can't see it for themselves. They don't feel it. They don't see it. So to have somebody who can see it and can bring them on that journey to get back to that and gain strength from it is so powerful. And I think the wisdom thing comes out so much from all of the aspects that you work in. So as you said, you, you don't only deal in grief. Tell us a little bit more about those other areas that you work in, because I think that they all tie together in wisdom. Yes. Well, I, um, I work a lot with um, particularly women, but, um, but all people in life transitions quite a bit. So people who are, um, I love working with young people who are moving from um, their secondary school or high school or college university to life and trying to kind of figure out what's what's their purpose why are they here what wisdom do they have to offer the world and so that's one of my favorite transitions that um, I, I work with I also help people who are um, thinking about like mid-career changes or suddenly discovering that um, they've had a lot of limiting beliefs and they want to live beyond those so that they can start a business or um, move to another country or buy a home or something um, that's bigger than they've ever been before. So that's another piece. And then I also love working with people at the end of life. So people who are thinking about what is my legacy? What do I want to leave behind? and spending a lot of time um, in reflection and preparing something to to offer as a as a you know final final chapter of their life so all of those life transitions and i think that they're all it's all soul work that's the common thread you know it's all that soul wisdom work accessing what is the, what is it that the soul wants and what are the mm. gifts of the soul? Beautiful. I also work with anxiety and depression and trauma and some of the challenges you know that people mm. are facing. And how did you find this career path, Charlene? I know you've talked about how losing your dad at such a young age, and that 
that has to have been so hard. I know a lot of people have, but knowing that a lot of people have lost people important to them doesn't really help the individual who has lost someone. How did that experience bring you into this career, do you think? How did, how did that shape you? Well, I think that the foundation of this career actually happened before that, because even as a younger child, I was the kind of person that people would come to to talk about their troubles. <laughs> and, um, and I would um, listen. I was a good listener. And then, you know, try to help them figure it out. So mm -hmm. I had the, the, the foundation of that. And then I think that when my, when my father died, that kind of sealed the deal for me. And, and that this could be, that this was going to be the profession that I, and that I particularly wanted to work with other mm. young people in grief. But so it was, it started very, very early and I just followed it. Um, right on through. That's, That's why I've been doing it for 37 years. Yes. That, <laughs> but that is so amazing that a lot of people don't often realize that they find their purpose in life at a very young age. They just don't realize that they're framing it as a purpose in life. Mm -hmm. But you can identify back to how being that friend that people called on at such a young age you knew that there was something special about that, something that not only would be your career, but a purpose in your life. Yes, absolutely. And I knew I wasn't, I also knew from a very young age, I wasn't going to be a traditional um, therapist, so to speak, like go to, I knew I needed to go to school to get the foundation of work mm -hmm. of the classes and the, and the theories and therapies. But I, I knew that I would have other ways of looking at the work because I could so often um, like just maybe it was a strong intuition. Like I knew things, you know, that when I would be talking with someone or I knew intuitively to, you know, to tell them to close their eyes and imagine, you know, a place in nature and um, find a safe place, you know, I just could, I just, there were certain things that I knew. Um, and I thought, oh, this is interesting. I wonder if there's, there's a way of doing the work this way. Mm. It took a while to find that, you know, because people weren't, what came naturally to me, people weren't talking about as much or doing when I was young. You know? And even in school, it was very, the path was traditional. Mm -hmm. But as soon as I got out of college, I found teachers who um, they made their way into my life, who had more experience in deep imagery and nature-based work and trusting your intuition and guides. Mm -hmm. So then I was able to cre create what I feel is a very um, non-traditional experience of of therapy or counseling so it's it just it's been unfolding but you have been consciously ensuring that it in, unfolds the direction that feels right for you that you knew you didn't want it to be the traditional method yes I need to learn a lot of that but you've also had this strong mm -hmm. sense this strong feeling 
of knowing what direction you needed to go in that felt right that you can contribute the most with. Yes, that's true. And I think also that to say that I really want, you know, to, for people to think about that that wasn't necessarily an easy path mm. and that there are things that come up against, you know, that you come up against that are challenges to it. You know, people who tell you you can't do it that way or um, that you'll never get any clients or you won't make any money. And it's really, I mean, for me, I mean, sometimes I would believe those those messages and have go through a period of doubts. And then I would realize, you know, like staying true to my own compass, my inner compass, right? No, no, I have to stay. You know, I can manifest what I believe in. I have to stay true to the course here. Uh, and you're right in everything that you say that it's not going to be ever a, a straight road. It's not an easy ride whatever you choose really in life. So would you share with us, Charlene, what are some of the greatest challenges that you have had to overcome in your life and how have you overcome them and how have they added to the color of your life and your journey? Yeah, I think, well, my challenges when, when I think about that, I think that financially there's been some challenge, you know, just in, in the beginning, choosing a career that wasn't financially rewarded by our world necessarily mm -hmm. and needing to find ways to um, kind of persevere and really believe that you could make, I could make a living, like a really, a, you know, not just a surviving living, but a thriving living doing this work. So I mean, I feel like that has caused a lot of stress that I've had to overcome. But really, again, I mean, I feel like when I come back to this is what I'm here to do and trusting that it's that it, that is true. That's what really helped me through that time. I think it got particularly challenging. I, I had a divorce at one point and so was um, single parenting and on my own and having to um, continue to, to find my way. And, you know, probably the biggest challenge though, as I'm talking to you, Tracy, is really one of the, one of the biggest ones is the internal challenge of believing in myself and letting go of some stories that kind of kept me small. You know, I think about when I was working for, um, more like a regular job with the county. And I wanted so much to break away from my own business, my own way of doing things. And the fear of not thinking I won't make any money, you know, and I wasn't really being well paid even in the job, but it was consistent, right? The paycheck came every two weeks and it was consistent. But so it really kept me longer than I would have liked to say in that place. But I really, at one point, it was like I couldn't, I couldn't not break away, at, you know, and I, so I, when I did, it was such a big deal, but it was such an amazing feeling to say, you know, I'm choosing, I'm choosing myself in this path. And it was so rewarded, you know, I feel like it was rewarded financially, but also in so many other ways. 
So that is something that I think a lot of people come up against those Mm -hmm. types of barriers. And I am just like, believe in yourself and break through because it really, I feel like you can manifest anything if you really believe in it. So how would you advise somebody to begin that journey of believing in themselves? So if they're in a similar situation that they know they're doing something that doesn't quite feel right, may not be bad, but it doesn't quite feel right. You know, you want something more, something different, but the fear is there about breaking that link. And it's an internal thing, isn't it? How do you suggest to them, whatever the path is that they're on, to what what are the techniques or the tools or the skills or the words that give someone that confidence in themselves to trust themselves and believe in themselves and to be brave? Yes, words are very powerful, I think. Affirmations and words. I mean, one of the things I did was I wrote many of them on little post-it note type papers and stuck them up everywhere so I could read them, you know, every day telling myself and again one of them said you can do hard things yeah and i would say and there was other others were more like is is this useful in your life or some of them were just reminders of what i wanted in my life so i think the words can be very powerful and it's going to be very individual finding the ones that really speak to you so that's one thing that i did i think i, I also found a guide myself I saw a coach, a counselor and a coach who believed in me and what I wanted to do. And that was really helpful to have reflected back to me, you know, the, the power of what I was saying. So that's helpful. And also I went, I went out to the, my greatest guide ever, which is nature quite frequently and would just sit, sit with a tree and do some journaling. So journaling was another technique that I would write out. What does my ideal life look like? Mm. You know, or I would just listen, you know, listen to the tree, listen to um, other elements of nature or wisdom. What is it that I want to manifest and, or what should I know? What do I need to know right now? And I would also, I mean, there were so many things that I did and continue to do, you know, these are tools that I continue to use, even when I, you know, anytime when I need some guidance, poetry, you know, I would pick up a book of poems and randomly open it and read, like, I would say three lines, give me three lines, and I would read three lines. It was like magic, how they always just spoke to me. And sometimes I'd take the three lines, and then I'd do some writing about those three, three lines, or maybe one of them would jump off and I would put it on a post-it and, mm-hmm. and have it on my computer or next to me on my desk to look at for for the day. And I did something every day. You know, I feel like also it's like really important to kind of give the universe the message by, you know, being consistent and doing things every day that can port you and bring you forward. I think that's so important and so vital for everybody. It's actually a big core belief of mine as well. And I'm hearing it in everything that you're talking about. You're a person of action. And one of the most important habits of successful people is that they take action every single day in the direction of their dreams, their goals, their objectives. And it doesn't have to be much. It might be a minute, five minutes. It might be an hour. It might be the whole day. 
-hmm. But there's this important component in your life of taking action. And there's a lot of people that will feel their life is not what they want it to be, but they're maybe sitting down every day and spending the day watching Netflix or you know, not doing something positive for themselves. Nothing wrong with watching a bit of Netflix. I like a good program on TV. But taking action every day in the direction of the thing that you want is so vital, isn't it? It is. And, you know, and you're reminding me as you were talking, I was thinking about vision boards, too. I used at the time I used a vision board, mm. you know, where you take images of things that you want in your life and you put them on a, you know, make a collage with them, really, and then put it somewhere where you can look at it and mm. remind you. And I would usually do images and words and I just find them to be so helpful because before too long, I would look and I would, oh, I've that's happened or I've been to that place or, and I just feel like the power of the visual, you know, especially for people who are more visual can be really amazing to put images to what you're wanting to achieve. For sure. It gives clarity. It, it helps mm -hmm. to really frame it visually. And I think a lot of what you're talking about, for those who use the term, is talking very much about the law of attraction. But I think personally that the law of attraction is greatly misunderstood by a lot of people. People tend to think, I just have to want it. And as long as I want it, it's going to happen. No, the law of attraction is about wanting it and then taking action every single day. It's moving you mm -hmm. step by step, day by day closer to that goal so the wanting has to be balanced also by action mm -hmm. and I think that's Absolutely. what's often missing for people when they think of the law of attraction but you are a perfect example for people to hear all of these incredible tips which are not even there as you try to give tips it's just how you've lived your life it's you do the stuff you do things and, you know, you're taking the post-it notes, you're writing the words down, you're putting them there, you're using them, you're doing the vision board, you're, you're taking action all the time. And that's often the key differentiator between mm -hmm. people who are moving towards what they want and the people who are maybe sitting and thinking, well, I want something different, but I don't know how to get there and it's not happening for me. Very true. And and I, and I do make a practice of, some of these things every day I especially you know even mindfulness just mm -hmm. you know a breathing practice or self-compassion practice bringing myself into the moment um, I think that part of the reason I love to teach mindfulness and mindful self-compassion is that it reinforces what I um, for myself as well I get to do it every day I love the mindfulness with children because I'm remembering I think it's um one thing that and it helped me along my path too was I was in that process of trying to leave that job but started to teach some mindfulness for children in the schools and I remember a particular five-year-old um, who told me that um, you know he he was sitting there breathing and he said breathing is the best thing and he said if we just breathe like this we can do anything. And then, so it was such an amazing thing. And then that same day I went to the fourth grade, which is about um, 
like nine-year-olds and we were doing um they wanted to do can do superheroes do mindfulness they wanted they asked that question and so we made up mindfulness exercises that a superhero could do and i'll never forget the one girl who she just like raised her hand in the air and she said i am a master manifester and i said oh i'm gonna use that one <laughs> and i did every day after that i said i am a, i put it on a post-it i said it i'm a master manifester and then um i gave my notice to that job so um and so that i could go off on my own and it's and i thought yeah i am a master manifester and how wonderful for children to begin to to realize that they are at such a young age so that really was a, a really an exciting moment that's incredible i love that so much love that and so vital the work you're doing with the young children because when we grow up with pain and baggage and hurt and trauma, it turns us into adults that have magnified mm -hmm. that pain and hurt and baggage and trauma. So if we can help children at a young age to step into their confidence, their self-love, everything is possible for them. You are creating limitless potential for a whole array of children. That must feel amazing. Mm. Yeah, it's wonderful. That's one of the one of the best things. Um, I love all the things that I get to do in my work, but being with um, being with the children because they're so. I mean, even when they're going through hard things, I mean, both of those children that I gave the examples of have pretty hard lives at home mm -hmm. right now, but that, but they have. They're so hungry for. Um, this other way of looking at the world and realizing, you know, they're, they just get it so quickly. They just get it. So, so mm -hmm. I just feel like um, they, and you know, and then they say really delightful things as a result, as a result of it, because they're just saying what's fresh on their mind and with no filter, you know, and then I just hope that um, they continue to use it. You know, I think that that I have come, um, you know, it met children that I have worked with a few years after mm. and they'll, you know, they have said they've, they've, you know, I've had them point to me in the grocery store and say, oh, there's the mindfulness lady. And then they'll say, I still do that breath that you taught me, you know, which is so lovely because I really, I feel like if they can learn how to um, recognize their feelings and um, manage distress with some mindfulness and some other tools. Oh, that goes such a long way into how they will be as they grow, grow up. Um, Absolutely. And, and it's not too late to learn it too. If you didn't, if you haven't learned it as a child, I feel like some of these, um, these techniques are really great for all ages. And I also feel like one thing that's really important to me is that it's not boring. You know, that we bring in a certain amount of playfulness and fun with learning these um, skills that we can learn um, because it just it just makes it, I mean, we remember it more and it just makes it so much more enjoyable. Um, and, you know, so I think that maybe doesn't come right away with things like grief, um, but even at some point people find their laughter 
in grief. Mm. You know, mm. it's um, there are fine moments. You know, and often that comes through a memory. You know, yes. of a person or something like that. But but I think making this um, these tools and things that you do, the practices you do every day, have a bit of playfulness is um, always a good idea. I think it's a wonderful way to approach it. And that playfulness, that uh, making it fun as well, even when you're going through a traumatic situation, whether it's your relationship, your home life, your job, whatever the situation is, making it a little bit more fun and enjoyable actually makes you feel more receptive to feeling differently, to thinking differently, to doing differently and empowering yourself differently when you can shift the energy that you're feeling into something that's a little lighter and a little bit more enjoyable you do suddenly start to believe that different things are possible don't you mm -hmm. i agree it's opening and it just really opens you to yeah. what's possible so charlene when you think back on your journey what would you say would be a key change in your um, personality or what aspect of your personality do you think has changed the most or has it stayed I, stable? Well, I think one thing that comes to mind about that is how I have learned to be with the inner critic, with the self-critical voice mm. that um, that I had pretty strongly and alongside these other uh, more playful and fun parts of myself there has been a perfectionist critic um especially in my early 20s you know did that to do things and to do them perfectly and to do them um meant like that that I would be loved or meant that I would um that I was okay you know I made it mean certain things but I was very harsh on myself in mm. those days and so I think learning self-compassion and learning that my critic was also not, you know, wasn't there to really, that the goal wasn't to hurt me, even though it was hurtful, mm. you know, what my critic was saying, but the goal was really to either protect me or to help me to be the best I could be, but going about it, you know, the wrong way. So self-compassion really helped with that because I was able to be with that part of myself in a compassionate and kind way and bring more kindness to myself. Um, and I, you know, I, I think that's been something really valuable. And I know now that it works because my critic is much, um, much less harsh when it does come up. That's, that's really life changing being able to do that. Charlene, could I tempt you into sharing with us, with the listeners, a, technique or an approach that helps them to do that how would you advise them to kind of manage that inner critic what can they actually do if we're going to talk today about things being doing things as well you know being the person of action yes well one of the simplest things I do is um, a version of something they call in mindful self-compassion a self-compassion break which is a very short thing that you can do at any time and it brings in the three elements of uh, mindful self-compassion, which are um, mindfulness, common humanity, that we're not alone in this, and then kindness. 
And so the way in which you might do it is if you hear, like if I heard my critic, if I made a mistake or, and, and, or did something and I hear my critics say, oh, that was, that was, that was dumb or, you know, or you're not very good at that. Um, what I will do is I, I usually put my hand on my heart um, as a way of offering my self-compassion mm-hmm. and I acknowledge. So this is the mindfulness part. I acknowledge that that hurts. You know, I'll just say, Oh, that's a hurtful thing to say. So I take, I just acknowledge that piece. And then the common humanity is I usually tell myself, you know, anyone who would hear that would feel the same way, that that's hurtful whether you said that to themselves or to another, you know, and, and I sometimes even ask myself, would you say that to your child or your friend, you know, and then I like, no. And then I think, oh, what's a kinder thing I could say to myself. And then I could say, well, you know, I, I see that maybe I could do that differently, but that didn't go the way that I wanted it to go. And I could do it a little differently the next Mm -hmm. time, but, but I'm okay. I'm still a good person. And so I bring myself that kindness. So that's the very, that's a very quick, like just it's acknowledging the feelings. It's kind of feeling like either that anyone would, could feel this way. So you're not alone or, and then also sometimes bringing that, that element of how would I treat a friend and then offering myself kindness. And you can do it like we just did in a minute or two there and you could do it very quickly and any anywhere you know you'd be in the middle of the store or in your office or at home um and so i find that to be helpful and i do that on a regular basis and sometimes it's just the hand on the heart is enough Mm -hmm. you know if i've heard if i've heard myself say something um you know and then i just put my hand on my heart and take a couple deep breaths and I'm like, oh yeah. Now the hand on the heart has become a signal to me to be to just to be kind, to pause and be kind. And other people may find it's, you know, they put their hands, they put their hands together, they can do another type of soothing touch besides the hand on the heart that's more helpful to them. You just have to find what works for you. But when you do, then that can be a signal to your to yourself to pause. That's amazing. Yeah. It's going to help so many people. um, And and I totally agree with that. I talk also to my clients in the same way that I encourage people to talk to themselves the way they would to someone they love and care about and respect. Mm -hmm. And very often the things that we say to ourselves, I'm stupid, I'm terrible, I'm useless, I can't do it. I'll never find love or I'll never do this or I'll never do that or I'll never have something. Would you talk to the person you love the most in the same way? No, you would never talk to them that way. So why would you talk to yourself that way? Mm -hmm. So I love these techniques that you're sharing with us. It's, It's a beautiful experience. And moving from that then into what's coming up for you Charlene you're working in so many beautiful wisdom areas and uplifting so many people's experience of their own life 
what's coming next for you? What are maybe one or two of your own goals and objectives that you are working on stepping into? Well, I would love to um, do more speaking. So that's one of my goals is to be able to um, talk to groups of people about um, grief wisdom and soul wisdom. And so I'm looking for, always looking for opportunities to do that. I have a couple opportunities coming up in the fall uh, with organizations um, to do that. And then also um, getting back to working on my book. I was working on it for a while and then took a pause for some other things. And I have a, have a book that I'm writing based on grief wisdom and want to get back to that. So that's maybe what the fall and winter are going to be about. Beautiful. And we can't wait for that. Do you have a name for it yet? Or is that to come? It's to come still. I keep, I've been playing with around with different names, but the right one, the catchy, playful one hasn't come yet. It will find its way. <laughs> it will. Yes, because it will. you will make it happen. <laughs> I am a master manifester. Exactly. <laughs> How wonderful that you got, while you were coaching a child, you got coached by the child. Yes. Doesn't that happen frequently? Yes. Yeah. It, uh, but it's just such a, a, a perfect balance, isn't it? It's mm -hmm. wonderful. It is. It's wonderful. I am a master manifester. <laughs> And for a young child yes. to come up with that is just so heartwarming, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Okay. So maybe as a final thing then, Charlene, a final question is what book or books or program or film or anything else, what would you suggest that people should be tapping into? What do you think from your perspective Wow, that's a tough question. There's so many. <laughs> There's so many. Well, um, I do feel like um, I think one book that that is um, one that I keep going back to, and for me, I mean, it, it may not speak to everyone, but it's Peace is Every Step by Thich Nhat Hanh, the Vietnamese monk. Um, I feel like it's a really beautiful um mindfulness you know treasure that book so that's one that I read a very long time ago that got me on the journey to mindfulness and I constantly recommend um mm. to others beautiful. and many many grief books that are wonderful yours is a beautiful one um Love thank Remains. you so much <laughs> and you know and I think that I also often recommend Megan Devine's um you know, it's okay to not be okay. Nice. And, um, yeah, so many treasures out there. Um, Fantastic. Yeah. I know that that was a final question, but here's a very final, final question. <laughs> and it's about the beautiful background behind you. <laughs> Tell people a little bit about that and why that is so important or connecting for you. <laughs> I know why. Yes. I know the secret. <laughs> yes. Well, this is something that... Um, we didn't even talk about it. We was my my sole connection to Ireland. This is um, this is Ireland behind me. Most of my backgrounds on Zoom are Ireland because that's the way I get to be there without being there. Um, 
And I guess I have a deep, deep connection with with Ireland and have in the past led some soul journeys in Ireland um, before COVID times, which was really beautiful with some um, Irish guides that I've are my friends that uh, to the wells and sacred places of Ireland and so that's something I may or may not get to do again. Um, but I really, um, I get there as often as I can. It's beautiful. It certainly is. Place for me. And um, where can people find more about you? So if you do have more things going on in Ireland or the book or the work that you do, just mention for our listeners how they can find out more about you. I think the best way would be my website, which is um, my name, charleneray.com. Um, and that's that's a good place to um, get an overview of what I'm up to and also contact me if you would like to chat with me. Fantastic. Charlene, thank you so much for joining us today. I really enjoyed our conversation here. Um, truly, truly love hearing the experiences that you've had uh, and just I think I'm going to be smiling all for the rest of the day about that little child being a, a master manifester. <laughs> it's just beautiful. But thank you for spending this time with us and for sharing your wisdom and your life journey. It's going to, I know, uplift many and give them incredible techniques that are so easy to implement, but move you towards the thing that you want to move towards. Thank you, Tracy. It's always a pleasure to be with you. And I do want people to realize how simple it can be. You know, some of these things are so simple, but so powerful. For sure. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. We've loved having you on. And um, thank you to all of our listeners and wishing you all a wonderful day and that you tap into your very own limitless potential with all these incredible tips and techniques that are free for you to just dive on into. So enjoy your limitless potential and we'll see you next time.